Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John, and I... <laughs> Listen, man, uh, you're going to want to edit this, but the answer is no. Right. Uh, this podcast uh, covers everything from new movies, video games, comic books, so much more. Cons. Can, yes. Uh, film con- festivals. Conventions, film festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Look at all of the show notes on aboutreview.com, and you can also support the show on that same website by clicking the support tab. Give a dollar. That would be great. You can buy some merchandise mm. at abouttoreview.threadless.com. Currently in the studio, there are two of us in the studio. Both of us are wearing an About to Review piece of merchandise. Yes, we are. Uh, it is pretty amazing. It's like the Bloods and Crips. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, is. That, that is. it is. I had to look down for a second. I was like, wait, what, what, color, what kind of color am I wearing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, how many different shirts did you get? Bopped a bit bookies. Come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a terrible gang member, by the way. Yeah, no. What? What kind? Well, how many different shirts did you get? Uh, you got a hoodie. Personally, like myself, yourself, three. <laughs> what did you get? So the, I have hood, a regular T shirt. I have a baseball T shirt, right. and then the sweater that I'm wearing right now. No hoodies. Uh not yet. Uh, Doctor Andy, actually, he has the the first hoodie. Okay. So, any stuff for babies? Uh, actually, there is the option. I did not put any up there yet, but... Do you hate babies? Dear listeners. Do you hate babies? Dear listeners, if you have a child and you want them to be in some About to Review merchandise, yeah. let me know. I can, like, with the click of a button, I can put up onesies. So, I kind of thought about it. I just did not really think that would be... People like to wrap first. their babies in cute stuff. So you'll, you know, consider it next time. I will. Uh, so, yeah, aboutreview.threadless.com. Also, youtube.com slash review. Uh, there's an episode coming up with the women from Daily Magic Productions. It dropped on the podcast feed. It will be on I or it will be on YouTube soon. And also, I interviewed the directors of a movie we will talk about soon, or one of the directors. So that will be up there as well. Joining me on this episode, as you already heard, is of course returning for the a bunch of times. Yes, I, I stopped keeping count. Yes, yeah, so did I. I'm like Jason. Uh, so many movies. So many movies. So many. Just showing up. <laughs> uh, the People's Critic, Tim Hall. What's up, man? Uh, I should apologize for interrupting your drop. You really should. But you messed up, and I, it was like I an did. entry point where you, you fumbled, <laughs> and I picked it up. I well, because like, like, I, I, gotta run. I look around all the time, just in general, because, well, ADHD, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, I'm looking around, and then it starts reminding me of other things to say, and I just, I got lost. It's man. incredible. Um, but one of the things that I'm very excited uh, I'm to, excited to to show you. Okay, uh, okay you're going to so, sh- so show is, me something? Is it set it up? Is, no, it's not going to show what is, you. What's going on? So we will listen to it <laughs> in the studio, uh, but it will be cut in so it actually like makes sense and sounds all clean. So we're going to cut. We're gonna actually going to listen to it live, and oh, yeah. then the people, the listeners right now will hear it cut, edited into the show. Exactly. All right. Uh, so let me uh, write that down. Write down the time code so you know when to cut out. Uh, and then so we will take off our headphones all so right. we can hear oh, it in crystal clear this. clarity. Okay. All right, so we'll do that right now. What are we listening now. to? Oh, uh, uh, the new theme song, which, uh, well, I was not, <laughs> I was going to wait to do that after. But yes, we're going to be listening to the new theme song, which is coming in way later in the show than it normally does. Here we go. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a treat. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
so that was the new theme song. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I've been working with a dear friend of ours, Damien Randall. Yes. Uh, on the new theme song. Initially, I wanted to drop it on episode 75. Mm-hmm. We had a couple ideas. We went back and forth. It was just not really feeling right. So through it took us a while. He dropped that one on me like 24 hours ago. As soon as he sent it to me, I was like, this is it. Yeah. Well like, done, Damien. Good so job. Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. He's very talented. Man. He he's does. A man, he's a man of many talents. Everything. So huge, huge shout Video, out Video, music, to him. podcasting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of podcasting, so not only does he have The Curly Nerd with yes. another friend of the friend of the family, Jess. Uh, he also has From Houston with Love. Which is one of my new favorite podcasts. I listened, I've been listening to it. I was going to say before it came out, but I've, I've known about it before it came out. As soon as it dropped, listen to it all you, the time. You know what I like a lot about that podcast is all the musical drops that they put in. Yes. They're like really good. It's, yeah. And it's some of the stuff that I've never heard before. Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. I mean, because they have access to the Rappers I Know database. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so they just, they have access to so much stuff. So yeah, Damien, Cashmere, yeah, Don, D-Ray. They're pretty hilarious. Absolutely. So from Houston with Love, it is I, w- I was going to say unedited, but it is not unedited because no. Damien edits it's it. clearly edited. Um, it's unfiltered. It, unfiltered is, is, a, sure. is a very good word. Unfiltered. Some decidedly, guy from decidedly unwoke. S- some of it is very Houston-centric. And I'm not from Houston, so I don't know. Yep. But a lot of it is very uh, topical. Um, hearing them talk about the storm was great. Hearing them talk about mm-hmm. you know yep. events in Houston. So, And the stuff all over the, the stuff that's happening now is great. Some of the Some of their chronicles are... Pretty hilarious to say the least. Well, just, the thing <laughs> that I love about it is that it is it reminds me of why I got into podcasting. Right. I've been friends with people for years, you included, where we have these conversations. Wait a minute, we're friends. I know. This Weird, is... right? Um Gotta where you have these conversations think like about that. listening to Damien and Kashmir Don and D Ray. Yeah. It is just three guys who have known each other forever. So yeah. awesome show. So that is from Houston with Love. You can check them out. Uh, yeah, and rappersiknow.com mm-hmm. from Houston with Love is on iTunes, iTunes, yeah, all of Whatever that. Whatever you listen to podcasts. Yep. And absolutely listen to the Curly Nerd, of course. But thank you, thank you, thank you to yeah. and, a really, and a really good Curly Nerd episode last week. Yeah. Really good episode. Agreed. Enjoyed it. So I hope everyone loves that theme song. Uh, reach out to Damien on social media at Damien Randall. Tag him in it. Say that you love it. Yeah. I know that some of the listeners uh, have been hesitantly worried when I told him I was getting a new theme song. Yeah. Shout out to Chris Lambert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Chris. Uh, he thanked me. He was, like, he was like, oh, man. He was like, your theme song is great. Blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, it might be good. And he was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, just, I just think he's gonna like. I think he's going to like the new one. Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely wow. love it. So, uh, all right. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about a few different things. A couple of movies that are in theaters now yes a documentary that is making the festival circuit a tv show mm-hmm. uh and then because this is dropping on technically november 1st wednesday then november 1st <laughs> but it, yeah almost halloween like we, we, could we talk about like, our favorite thanksgiving movies i don't know no 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 uh, halloween yeah halloween so halloween. uh going right into oh, not oh. halloween the movie but oh yes we're gonna talk about Movies that have movies scared that, us. Yeah, movies that have scared us Legitimately. or do scare us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. First movie on the docket is a movie that I saw that Tim did not go and see. I specifically passed on this movie. Um, I passed. It was it was one that at least it looked interesting enough <laughs> nope. in the trailer to be like, okay, let, let me see what this is about. 
So the movie is Suburbicon. Yes. Directed by George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how much I love the IMDb <laughs> Oh, gosh. Is the synopsis this crazy? Is it another crazy one? Uh, this is seven words. Wow. A home invasion rattles a quiet family town. That is not the movie. <laughs> what? The, okay, so does that happen? Sure. Are they wrong? No. It's like, does that make it one like, eighth of the movie? Oh, man. Okay, so yes, there's a home invasion in the beginning of the film where the idyllic home of Matt Damon and Julianne Moore times two, she plays the wife and her twin sister, uh, and Matt Damon and Julianne Moore's son, Nikki, you know, just family mm-hmm. and stuff. Home invasion. Turns out, so they get they all get knocked out with chloroform. Right. They wake up in the hospital, and the mom, Julianne Moore, ends up dying. Oh, no. Right. Matt Damon then goes on a quest for revenge. Mm-hmm. Kind of. With, like, a weird insurance plot thrown in there and some other weird stuff in there. The weirdest thing mm-hmm. that is part of this movie that is not in any of the trailers so the intro of the movie is actually pretty cool. They do this nice little animation. It is very, very much the like better homes and garden. Got you. Uh, like they nailed a huge kudos to them. They nailed that 50s, 60s Americana from the clo- like the outfits, the clothing, the cars, yeah, everything in the home. That was great. So in the intro, it was like move down to Suburbicon, the most diverse community, idyllic community, and it is all showing like. We're from Mississippi. And it's just all white families talking about diversity. So that was great. And I was like, all right, I'm on board. Movie starts. Uh, Mailman is going through very just, you know, what is the uh, cleaver? Uh, Leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, like that type of thing. And uh, at one point, one of the neighbors is like, have you you seen the new neighbor? (gasps) Mailman goes over there and an African-American woman, black woman, opens the door. And he was like, oh, I'm looking for Miss Reynolds. I'm Miss Reynolds. Record scratch, oh, wow. basically. And he was like, it was "Supposed to be in the '50s?" Yes, I mean, like they they don't really give a time. It is in this kind of bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely feels like California '50s, right. '60s. Uh, so he, the mailman, is just surprised. He was like, "Oh, oh, uh, uh," gets all nervous. Oh, wow. Gives her the mail, and then immediately you see him go to the next house. Like, oh, like so. Okay, so right away, I was like, "What was the point of that?" I turned to the people next to me and I was like, wait, is this what the movie is about? Not not one minute of that, one second of that was in the trailers. Yeah. We only see like home invasion and revenge. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to roll with it. Just keep going see see what happens. Movie goes on. And yeah, it basically turns into this town is going against this black family because they're like, oh, you know, taking our jobs. Our town used to be so great. All the while, a murder happened mm-hmm. next door. And I, after thinking about it, and recently I was on an episode of another local podcast called Cinema Squabble. Yes. Which I have been listening to for years. It was really a privilege to be on their show also. So check them out, Cinema Squabble. After we talked about it on that show, I kind of started to understand a little bit more where George Clooney, in his own way, was trying to show that a black family living next door and people are rioting outside of their home. The police are there. They're smashing windows. 
literally next door a murder happens and nobody is really giving it any attention. No. I get it. Or rather, I, I came to understand that. It doesn't come across the movie very well. New. Yeah. Because it is so subtle. Right. And he is like, see? See what happens, America? Because George Clooney, yeah. as anybody knows, is incredibly politically minded. Yeah. So, but it, so he, he was doing that. He was like, see what happens if African Americans, so much injustice is happening, but we're focusing on over the. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be politically minded, but it's also one thing to get that to come across in your art. I think yeah. that's, that's a difficult yeah, balance. It, like, for sure. It's very a... few <laughs> directors can pull that off. Yeah. Like, when yeah. you're like, oh, I get what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like over, it's heavy handed. Like, as much as I enjoy Spike Lee, some of his stuff can be like, all right, that's a little heavy Spike. I get it. Right. Right. But like some of his stuff is like, oh, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally get that. And then there's other directors who, you know, when you watch something like um, uh, Southside with you. Was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there's some racial stuff in there that's you get it. And it's not like totally pushed it in your face, but you understand yeah. what's happening. It, this just kind of feels a little tone deaf. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because. Sounds like it. Essentially. So Nikki, the little boy who actually is. Pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. Noah. Some really good little kid actors recently. Seriously. Like, like what I, was I doing at that age? Like watching He-Man. <laughs> Parents failed me. They should have pushed me into acting. Um, so Noah, Noah Jupe uh, is the kid. He, he was solid. Um, and it did show the uh, innocence, the childlike innocence where mm-hmm. the neighbor kid, you know, this young African-American child is next door and Julian Moore's like, go play baseball and he was like but mom mm-hmm. they end up being friends and oh. baseball solves everything little kids aren't racist surprise <laughs> right <laughs> boy do i have stories <laughs> <laughs> um so that was it's all of that was going on this movie is surrounded by talent right oscar isaacs is in this mm-hmm. steals the show mm-hmm. he is fantastic in everything he does that was really good, but it almost it was to the point where he, he was so good. <laughs> it was like, oh, everyone else is uh kind of not. He so, maybe so deserved great. to be in a different movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do, how do you improve this movie? How do I improve how it? Do, what do you change about it? Take out it? that whole and and again, it sounds weird because yes, more people need to be in the conversation of right of ethnic relations and everything. Yes. But in this film, it was so, it was ham-fisted, but also subtle. Mm-hmm. And that was what came across as just tone deaf. Okay. The whole black family next door, father, son, wife, 15 lines, max. Wow. The so dad you, gets none. So we don't really hear from them. Literally. Do right. not hear from them. The little boy, like, he has some interactions, a couple lines. Mm-hmm. The mom has a few. The dad has none. And I talked about it on that episode that I was on. Here's a little Hollywood inside baseball. Mm-hmm. If you're in a movie and you do not have a line, you technically, they are not required to pay you anything extra than, or anything more than what an extra would get. Mm-hmm. So, But he may have had lines that got cut out. Possibly, but if, you, if it, they were not in the theatrical cut, mm-hmm. which is why it was always funny, like with Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. with Rogue One, or not Rogue One, Force Awakens, he technically was an extra. He got paid because he was Mark Hamill, but without having a line right. in The Force Awakens, nah. right. SAG after rules are pretty weird. So, anyway, pretty so, cool extra. What was that? It's a pretty cool extra. Absolutely. So, how I would improve this, 
either take that out completely mm -hmm. or truly develop it and make it into something. Make it like a part of the story, for real. Part of the story, which, again, I, I can see what he was doing. Mm -hmm. It just did not really work. Um, the performances were all okay, so I would not really do much to improve that. Some of them were significantly way over the top compared to the rest. Right. But, yeah. So, I don't really want to spend too much time on Spurricon, mainly okay. because I was the only one that saw it. And also, yeah. I, yeah. I was not really impressed. I did not leave upset right. like I have with some movies that try a racial integration storyline. It was just my, my quote to the studio rep mm -hmm. out of the screening. Oh, John, what did you think? Pointless. Uh, was kind of how, how I phrased it. So, yeah. to the rating system of this podcast, <laughs> yes. uh, there are three choices. Good, bad, or ugly. This is your first time listening. A good film is something that you saw that you really enjoyed. You want to tell a friend about. A bad film is something. It was all right. You don't regret spending your two hours in the theater, your... $15 or whatever it is, Yikes. which is crazy, uh, and you, but you might not recommend it. An ugly film is something that you just would not recommend to anybody because it was terrible, you had a bad experience, for whatever reason, you just do not like it. Mm -hmm. Suburbicon, directed by George Clooney, starring a whole bunch of people with Oscars all over the place, gets an ugly. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was not dumb, it was just pointless. Um... It was so darkly comedic, but not enough to make it a dark comedy. Not a comedy. I heard that discussion on uh, Cinema Squad. Where yeah. you, you felt like it wasn't really a comedy. No. And it is billed like that. Uh, I laughed. Like, I, I did chuckle a no, few it, times. It reminded me of I was listening to Miles Teller on Bill Simmons' podcast, and he was saying a lot of it's out of his hands as an actor. And you watch. He, he was watching Bleed for this. Mm. The, the, he did Bleed for this. He said he was watching the, the marketing for it. He was like, that's not really our movie. Yeah, and like, actually, I like, liked Bleed for this. Like, yeah. That's not the movie we we're making. Like, they, they built mm -hmm. it up to be like Creed, and it's like it's not. No. It's kind of like it's more like The Fighter or something. Yeah, it's it not... a survival story. Yeah, and mm -hmm. he was like, "That's just what happens with marketing. Like, that's not in your hands." Yeah, so, so it's not like they built this as a, like a, a comedy. Then it's more of like a really dark movie with some funny moments. Yeah, and I should say this is a Coen Brothers. Oh boy. Uh, Production, I guess. I mean, they wrote it, but the original script that they wrote for this film was from yeah, 1986. I heard, that. I heard that. It's a long time ago. Long time ago. So Maybe it plays better back in 86. But again, who knows if it had that yeah. racial integration plot that I had such a problem with. Somebody probably rewrote it and like, oh, let's... Guaranteed. Yeah. Ugh, modern political climate. How do we do this for <laughs> no cash reason? cash in on this Trump stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it just it gets an ugly. Uh, Good times. Yeah. So starting off the show <laughs> with an ugly. Super ugly from John. Uh, we might be making, I mean, no spoilers. We might be making a dramatic transition, though, when we talk about our next film, which Tim yes. is going to introduce. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, um, directed by Taka Watiti, mm -hmm. who did Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> the, way, the way he pronounced it was amazing. Taka Watiti. <laughs> Hunt for the Wilder People and What We Do in the Shadows, mm -hmm. which is hilarious. Amazing, amazing. Film. Uh, also, he was uh, Green Lantern's buddy in uh, Ryan Reynolds' failed Green Lantern project. I tried, yeah. He was his friend. I tried to forget Taka a lot Watiti about that movie. Was in there. So. He, that, he's, he's the buddy he hangs out with. Mm -hmm. Who's got like you know a small part anyway? So he's directed this new Thor movie, mm -hmm. which takes place sometime after Civil War. Thor is on Asgard. Well, he or, or does it 
take place sometime after Civil War because the, it does. the thing about this movie, and we can get into it a little bit later, not to All cut right. you off. Feel free. This, this movie, because as anybody who watched it or yes. watched Civil War, Thor was not in it. Neither was the Hulk. So when this movie so takes place. So it takes place, place sometime yeah. between Age of Ultron and sometime after Civil War. Possibly. Or yes. That, that's the window we're in. It yeah. definitely happened after Age of Ultron because Thor leaves in the middle of Ultron yep. and Hulk flies away in the Quinjet at mm-hmm. the end. But as far as the Civil War, so it, but, but, uh, it here's will be interesting. At some point, they give a timestamp where, where Thor says it's been two years. So we know. Right. But at the same time, the Grand Master, played by Jeff Goldblum, yeah. talks about how time works, time differently. works differently. Yes. That's right. So, I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. He did I, say that. You know, I pay attention to things. But yeah, so Jeff, go, go ahead. By the way, Jeff Goldblum is great. Uh, crushes it. <laughs> he crushes it. Crushes it. Anyway, so, so Thor it returns to Asgard to find Loki pretending to be his father, mm-hmm. Odin, ruling over Asgard, doing this hilarious play, <laughs> this hilarious retelling of his story. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> then uh, Hela shows up mm-hmm. and tries to take over Asgard and banishes Thor to this mythical land what is a place called easy ends up on the planet well that junk planet uh scar scar yes something like that it's surrounded by like a bunch of different wormholes and like Mm -hmm. trash just gets dumped there but on there is jeff goldblum play who plays the grandmaster who runs like who sort of runs the planet Mm -hmm. and has like gladiator fights so contest of champions which contest of champions another huge nod and i meant to actually pull one of the issues out yeah so there were so many things in this movie that are subtle. Like tons, they tons always do. So the Contest of Champions was part of a storyline in, I want to say the 80s. It was late 70s, 80s, where the Grandmaster and Death, mm-hmm. the Marvel Cinematic version of Death, put on a Contest of Champions. So the Thing is there, Human Torch, a bunch of these heroes. So little things like that yeah. were great. So yeah. So the Contest of Champions, he's, he puts on. So uh, Valkyrie played mm-hmm. by... The wonderful Tessa Thompson mm-hmm. gets Thor. She's a uh, hashtag number two bay, number one, number three, she's number two. Ooh. But like a close number two. Isn't is your number one still the same it's number still, one? Oh, still number one. All right. She's still number one. <laughs> it's okay. gonna be hard to, to dethrone Logan. She's still number one. Okay. Um I still might have her on the show. She has my heart. Okay. Uh so <laughs> so they uh so she she what she they call it junker something she's like a name like uh, junker. scrapper 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 one forty two mm-hmm. scrapper one forty two brings brings she pretty much makes her money bringing champions to the grandmaster mm-hmm. and she found Hulk mm-hmm. so then she brings which him, is not a spoiler, not a spoiler. I, I, I she know. finds the Hulk yeah so she brings she brings is all in the trailer so she brings mm-hmm. in her new champion or a new a new contender uh, he keeps calling him not the Lord of Thunder. Go uh, Lord of Thunder instead of God of Thunder. Lord of Thunder. So he br- <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum his, is so funny. Like I, and this is something I forgot to mention because in that episode of Cinema Scrabble that we keep mentioning, we we did that right after Thor. Right. I had not even had time to take down any notes. We forgot to mention Jeff Goldblum in yeah. that one, and I even sent a text to both Adam and Sarah, and I was like, "How did we forget to talk about yeah. this?" Jeff Goldblum crushes it. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> So it ends up pitting Thor against the Hulk, mm-hmm. and they end up teaming up to try to get off the planet to get back to Asgard to save her from Hela, who's there to destroy Asgard and, and rule over it. Mm-hmm. Not destroy, but rule, rule over, over. Rule over mm-hmm. Asgard, and which essentially would be getting rid of all the Asgardians who live there. Mm-hmm. So she's hunting them down, um, 
a much bigger role from Idris Elba in this one. He's got some stuff to yeah. do. And he looked great. He looked some swords fighting in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's there trying to help people. And since he's can see everything, he's mm-hmm. helping Thor see, sort of see what's happening. So it's a it's a quest between with Thor and the Hulk and Valkyrie. And Loki teams up as the Revengers because they all want to get revenge <laughs> uh, to show up and, and, and save Asgard. So that's the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty damn hilarious. This movie, I would say, because Guardians is close. I think this is the funniest oh, Marvel it's, movie. Oh, it's by far the funniest Marvel movie. Because Guardians Guardians was straight out hilarious, mm-hmm. but also hit you with some drama, hit you with all of that. So does this. But this one from beginning to end is a comedy. But it's not just that it's a comedy. It's how the jokes are placed. Yes. That makes it different than other, other Marvel films. There's that scene at the end where the Hulk is like, you know, he's Banner at some point, And he's just mm-hmm. like, the Banner stuff is funny. Yes. It's like. Hulk is funny as like a petulant like monster of a child mm-hmm. who doesn't Hulk like yeah. big, big yeah. fire you like little right. flame he's like oh, who no. doesn't understand his strength and it's sort of like mulling around destroying things mm-hmm. and just a bit of a goofball mm-hmm. but it's still kind of smart yeah. um, so Banner shows up and he has no idea what's happening and, mm-hmm. and that's another layer of like comedy absolutely so towards the end Banner's like you know I, you know I'll, I'll save you and that that leads to a, like a hilarious scene with mm-hmm. Banner uh, there, to, there to help. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of that in the movie. Um, yeah, the time, like a lot of again, callbacks. There's that running joke that comes from Age of Ultron. Uh, which one? With Thor and the Hulk, like fighting. Or remember when they're first fighting and he's trying mm-hmm. to calm the Hulk down? Oh my god! It, keep, it uh. keeps coming back, <laughs> and it's the fu- I like. I was still laughing about it like an hour after the movie. Yeah, because that was the thing. It's is, a like, great callback from the beginning of the film. You know, everyone starts laughing. Yeah. Still not really knowing if that was going to be the tone the whole yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, it is. And it was, but not only was it funny, but the timing of everything. Like you said, right. like, Jeff Goldblum at one point when Thor is locked down in a chair. Yeah. He's like, I am the god of thunder. And he goes, like, break out of the chair and his fingers Ooh, just kind of crackle. <laughs> just <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. Like, you were just like, he was like, oh, watch, watch out for this guy. <laughs> he can do something with his hands. I'm not sure what, but... Like, it just you want to see these characters it's so, so much. And here's the thing: I don't know if it's the best comic movie I've ever seen. Uh, no. I mean, there's a few action sequences. There's there's the beginning, mm-hmm. with, with, there's the hella stuff, there's the Hulk stuff at the end, uh, there's the battle to save Asgard. But most of it is just a fun. It's like a fun adventure. Yes, like you're watching absolutely. these two people because when you, when you see Thor in these other movies, he's very stoic, and I'm Thor. I'm the God of Thunder. I'm from mm-hmm. Asgard. And this is a very much more relaxed Thor. Yeah, he's kind of having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's kind of enjoying himself, and so Chris Hensworth is it would be a little bit loose. Uh, Tessa Thompson's great as sort of this warrior. She sort of kicks mm-hmm. butt in the whole movie. Um, yeah, they they it's so it may not. Do I like it more than Spider Man or Galaxy? I don't know, but it, yeah. I left like this was fun. Like mm-hmm. this was a fun time for two hours in a movie that like absolutely was visually stunning. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of the comparison from the trailer would be to Guardians, but it's different. Like, Guardians is way more galactic, but it is like a bright colored mm-hmm. space adventure. Even Taki, he, he plays uh, that rock dude. Yeah. Uh, Kurg. Kurg. And that's funny. Mm hmm. Kurg is funny. Like, well, Korg. Korg, um, Korg. Yeah, Korg is funny. And that, that to, to that point. So, yes, he does. There were some. Of course, some... I was introducing his friend. <laughs> <laughs> there were some moments in this that. Yeah. 
they got a little bit muddy as far as yeah. like CG stuff. A little bit. Because Kate Blanchett is phenomenal. Yo, you know? that scene when she like pulls her hair back and those spikes, that was yeah. dope. I was like, how do they do that? That was really was slick. Really dope. Her fight scenes. Yeah. I mean, with you look at Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. The dude is in there. Yeah. Like, he is doing most of it. I mean, yes, a lot of it is CG. With her, it just, that that cut, that switch from her acting to then her moving yeah. into a fight yeah. was a little too smooth. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And with, with Korg, same yeah. thing. Like, his, I mean, he's a giant rock monster. Yeah. So the way his lips moved also looked just a little bit off. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, that just... This is not War for the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> yeah. where, they, where the whole the whole thing, thing is about these apes. Yeah, where they need to yeah. be like every like, oh my gosh, that movie still blows my mind when you watch the behind the scenes. Yeah, every single facial feature, right. millimeter of the skin is mapped, and yeah, so they did not have that or use that for yeah. this, which is fine because it still works, it right. still flows. It was just a little bit obvious. Yeah. From a technical yeah, perspective. Yeah, I, I, think, I think like hardcore comic nerds may have a problem with this movie. I don't. As a, as a person who loves movies, this is mm-hmm. what I go to the movies for. Fun, action, exciting. It fits into a bigger plot. Mm-hmm. It de- but it, it, it very much can stand on its own. It's definitely the best of the Thor movies. Oh, hands down. By far. Best of the Thor and, movies. And, and, and shout out to Chris from the Sandy Chip podcast. He brought this up that mm-hmm. like the way they cut their trailers, like mm-hmm. it looks different in the film. So a scene that you thought you saw in the trailers, you look at the movie like, oh, that's different. Yeah, that's not what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. It looks a little, it's just a little different. So, kudos to them for doing that for not completely spoiling the movie for people with the with the trailers. Yeah, um, but man, it's. I mean, and as, every bit of this movie is funny. Yeah, and Loki's great. The, lo- <laughs> the, I mean, Loki's reaction when he's at the, the contest of champions <laughs> is the best. And and I think part of that was in one of the extended trailers. But yeah, Thor, when he sees Hulk and you see that interaction, I love Thor's youthful exuberance yeah. and innocence. And he was like, he was like, oh, I know him. We're friends from work. The fact that Thor yeah. thinks of the Avengers as a job. Yeah, exactly. Cracks me up. He's like, hey, Loki, look. And he was like, <laughs> look at Thor. And look, Tom Hiddleston, oh, he man. snaps. He snaps. And he was just like, I can leave this planet right now. <laughs> Uh, there's another scene. Oh, it's a, so good. A couple minutes after that, during the fight between Thor and a Hulk, where Hulk does something that that Loki recognizes. Yeah, yeah. And Loki gets <laughs> so excited. Oh man! So w- what we were basically saying is this movie is hilarious. It's as hilarious. That, as that diehard comic book fan, man. there were a, a lot of those Easter eggs. Yes, they made a reference to something. If you go back and listen to my interview with. Lorraine Sink, yeah. uh, who works at Marvel. Mm-hmm. This was a couple weeks or geez, a month or so ago, ago now. Yeah, about a month ago, yeah. Uh, her and I joked about Throg. Mm-hmm. They make a Throg reference in this movie. What? I missed that. In the in the play? Yeah. Where we'll not spoil the actor who is who's yeah. playing Loki. <laughs> because it had been rumored, and it took me a second. I was like, it is oh, it him. Oh, it is him. Yeah. So anyway, in the play that Loki slash Odin is watching of uh, Loki's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make mention of that. At one point, Loki was like, and I'm sorry I turned you into a frog that one time. Yeah. That was it. It was just one line. Because yeah. in the comic books, Loki turned Thor into a frog. Mm-hmm. His name was Throg. He still had all of Thor's powers. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. 
So the fact that they just put in L- one little line, stuff like like them walking like when Hell is walking through and she's knocking stuff over saying it's fake. Yep. There's a gigantic infinity gauntlet mm-hmm. there. Which everybody when they from the first Thor mm-hmm. when they went down yeah, to Odin's chambers yeah. and everyone was like, Oh my god. Yeah. All the nerds. The Tazarak is there. Yeah. And so the fact that like, see Loki just, eyeball it? Yeah. And mm-hmm. she just goes down there and she's like, fake. That was all it took for people to, now to be like, that is why Thanos has it. Yeah. You know, in Infinity War, because obviously the, the one that was one. in there, it's not, not the right one. one. Yeah. Uh, that was great. There was a Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. Reference. I saw that. Yeah. So they just, they did their homework, which of course they do because it is Marvel. Yeah. They put all those in there without needing to spend a ton of time mm-hmm. on them. People are going to notice it. People yeah. like me are going yeah, to notice it. We're going to be it. like, ah, I saw that. And that is it. I yeah. feel like with, I mean, again, we always try, I know. We always try to I do know. this. We don't have to push somebody down to raise somebody up, but I feel like those details are important to telling a story, <laughs> to telling a story in a connected universe. DC Warner Brothers has yet to find a way to properly. They tried do that. it with like that that Robin suit that it had spray paint on it, but it's not connected to anything. So nothing. It is one thing who to cares? see. Like again, Beta Ray Bill does not get mentioned, but you see his his face, see his face. on that the Grandmaster yeah. Citadel. Uh, you also see uh, By Beast was up there. Uh, there was a version of like Ares. Yeah. Little things. But it was not to be like, aha, cool. With Robin, multiple times when he shows it and you show Bruce sulking, but do not tell us when it happened, how it happened, where it happened. Yeah. Kinda kinda weird. Yeah, yeah. They uh they nail the little things. And again, like I said, it, it it's the Loki stuff is great. He's funny. Mm-hmm. The the bunch of callback jokes. The Doctor Strange the Doctor stuff. Doctor Strange stuff was great. Yeah, um, which I think some of that was released again in a little like vignette. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing their interaction, yeah, was great because Thor is just like, so Earth has sorcerers now, or <laughs> Earth has wizards now, <laughs> yeah. And Doctor is just like, man, I'm sorcerer, like, <laughs> just does not even care. Yeah, the lot of good stuff. And uh, the end of our screening did not end well. We missed the last two minutes of audio. <laughs> Uh, the, the and we missed time. the post. Uh, yeah, and we missed all the post credit scenes. So mm-hmm. we have no idea what happened. Well, well we, we do, do now. Yeah, thanks to Aaron. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it, there was a technical malfunction yeah. at our advanced press screening. Jeez, man. Where and it was. It like, would be this movie. It wouldn't be the Snowman. Oh God, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, what was crazy is so when we were watching the press screening, seriously with five minutes left, and all of us knew it. We kind of like everything was yeah. toning down. There's a, a scene an emotional scene between two characters that are talking and the audio cuts out and like a kind of ringtone starts. And in my head, I was like, Oh, somebody's going to have a cell phone in the movie. Yeah. Right. No, nope. it's like one of the, it, it ended up playing the audio from those like pre movie things. Like, right. Oh, welcome to Regal cinema. <laughs> right. ah, you just heard Jason Moran's like, mm-hmm. it's all that kind of stuff. And then it, it made funny. the commercial kept going and it was yeah. like, Opening this week, Thor yeah. Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. And all of us like, Ugh. and then uh, then they try to rewind it, and it didn't work. And it no. was the beginning of the movie, and I was like, great. Yeah. So it was. So we did miss the last missed, couple minutes. We missed a lot of fun stuff. Uh, we did see part of the post credit scenes, but I will tell listeners there are two. There are two. There's a mid credit mm-hmm. and a very 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 end credit scene, which we now know about because one of our other mutual friends, who is a Chicago critic, let us know kind of what it was. Appreciate it. He was able to see it in their screening. I appreciate it. Uh, what What was your favorite part of the movie? I think one of my favorite parts has to be the Jeff Goldblum stuff. Yeah. Because not only is it Jeff Goldblum's character and portrayal, everything around him was just bleeding Jack Kirby. Yeah. So Jack Kirby's art, when you mm-hmm. look at just, I mean, any of his things, 
the guards that mm-hmm. the Grandmaster has around him looked like the Celestials, which are some of Jack Kirby's creations. They're essentially some of the architects mm-hmm. of the Marvel Universe, like gods, mm-hmm. practically, um, except for the one above all. But anyway, mm-hmm. so the Celestials, like his just guards just standing around him, look like the Celestials. At right. one point when you see the Grandmaster and Loki sitting in like the viewing yeah. platform, the art behind them is Jack Kirby. L- those things make me feel happy. Right. Um, so that was part of probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. The humor, though, yeah. had to be my favorite part. Got it. For me, it was all like the banner stuff was really funny to me. And yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. He had that funny, those funny interactions with Valkyrie. <laughs> those were great. Both, both <laughs> with both personas. Yeah. With both personas were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, yeah, the humor was, was, was fun. And, um, uh, it was funny that the the sort of the play at the beginning reminded me of the play they they did in Game of Thrones. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. When, when, when Arya was like watching a play of what happened, uh, they put on. It's like the same thing. So that that was funny to me. That made me crack up. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, I just really enjoyed all the performances. I thought they were like fine. And it was yeah. like, I mean, I've been watching these movies since Iron Man, and this one mm-hmm. felt different than the rest. When it felt the most, in a good way. Exactly. It felt the most separate. Yes. Because it takes place mainly. In Asgard and on a different planet, yeah. not in New York. Yeah. So yeah. that alone made it feel different, made it look different. I feel like this is what I think is going to happen with Black Panther. Yes. Yes. When we go to a completely different place. Mm-hmm. And, and it all takes of, place in this place. Yeah. Or at yeah. least the majority of yeah. it. That, I think, is what we need Because the, the rules are different. Like, how yeah. you handle things are different. Absolutely. Yeah. So like the Hulk parade was hilarious. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, Keen, and there's actually something that uh, Jess and Damien, being that South Park is their yeah. favorite show. Uh, is it South Park or is it Rick and Morty? Well, I think South Park is Jess's like, ooh, that is a close one. Oh, by far. Yeah. I think it's South Park. There is a South Park reference in this movie. What? Yeah. I will tell you off yes. air. It was something that like I saw and I was like, wait a minute. And so I had to look up the name if it was the same name, and it is the same name. I will tell you off yes, air. I'm waiting. To, I'm waiting for Jess to see the movie <laughs> and to see if she <laughs> see if she finds it. Yeah, man, it's, it's a lot of fun, man. It's something. It's something you can take your kids to. A family can go watch. Absolutely It'd be fun. There's nothing crazy in it. Yeah, um, and that yeah. that is something that I think is really important that these Marvel movies are doing. Mm-hmm. They, you can do this as a family. Mm. A lot of the like you Superman, can cosplay as all these Batman. Other people. Yeah. Like, I grew up in the generation of underoos. Yes. Yeah, I had some. Right. You want uh, you want to take your kids to see Batman and Superman? Like, whew. Yeah. So Justice League, yeah, they're trying to make it look all fun. And, and dark and into the world. But, like, exactly. Like, the trailer looks yeah. funny, but it just, oh, cool. Another DC movie where the battle takes place in fire. Yeah. In the dark. These Marvel movies, and again, I'm not completely so, it's, crapping it's on okay. DC. The Marvel movies take place in the daytime. Yeah. What, like, how is DC not recognizing daytime. that pattern? Yeah. So that that still drives me crazy. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Fun, fun family movie. Uh, I think that was it for, yeah, for my notes. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your rating system. Good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> oh, it's a good, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to make a killing. Yeah. People see it multiple times because it's funny. People mm-hmm. own the movie and watch it. For sure. And yeah. this is another one where, well, I actually not when it drops on Netflix because now the Disney and Marvel are going all weird with Netflix. Uh, but yeah, this is going to play very well on home video. 
Uh, home video. Jeez, how home old video? are we? Jeez. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, there are certain things like, and well, now it seems tainted, but like the Miramax logo and that would come on when it used to have on the VHS tapes, uh, like the little the cells with the film right. strip. And yeah. like, Coming soon to home video. Oh yeah, that was my life. Anyway, wow. uh, my rating for this is absolutely a good. Yeah, it was just I had so much fun watching this movie while still feeling connected while still feeling like there was a deeper story right but it, it was hilarious uh in the very one of the very beginning scenes actually the beginning of the scene when thor is hanging from a chain yeah yeah, yeah. he's spinning around <laughs> talking to a god mm-hmm. and just not really caring amazing yeah so definitely a good uh all right so moving on to a documentary yes that is making the festival circuit mm-hmm. that had its u.s premiere in seattle this past week the documentary is called Amplify Her, Rise of the Feminine is kind of the, the whole title. Wow. This movie, this documentary is about, uh, I think, a total of about six different uh, female DJs from around the country in the electronica scene as they go to different festivals. But it not only talks about... But like about, DJ DJs? Oh, or, yeah, like, like, or, or like Instagram models with playlists? Ooh, no, no. Like that was the thing, and they actually talk about that <laughs> okay. in the film. One of the DJs, uh, Blontron, she talks about. They, they actually have footage of this because uh, it was a documentary. She's at a festival, and you know she is in the middle of her set. Festival had been running long. There was a bikini competition beforehand, and she was like, "That she went to the producer. She's like, you told me I have X amount of time. I'm getting X amount of time." Damien has talked about it before. Whenever he texts us true rap stories, yeah. Um, Whereas yeah, sometimes you get up to perform and they are they're now like, nope, you only have ten minutes. Comics too. So, comics talk about it all the time. Exactly. Some comic was telling the story about like another comic comedian, uh, we should say. Comedian. A stand up mm-hmm. a stand up comic was was he had a set and uh he said another comic who was more famous than him, sort of like two quick stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It'll tell you sort of the difference, mm-hmm. right? So the guy says the other comic shows up just to say hi and does like forty five minutes, Ooh. bro. He was just like <laughs> My God, I have to. I still have a set to do, and mm. you're like, you have a show. You have yeah. you have a show on television. You're killing my set by doing all your funny bits, and now I got to come up and follow you. And the other one was um, Jeff Ross, the the roast master. Jeff Ross, people know. From oh all yeah, the roast. Mm-hmm. he was doing the show. He was trying to get on, and he said, he said, I'm, I'm getting ready to do my set, and all I see is like this New York Yankees hat bobbing through the crowd, heading toward the stage, <laughs> and people are like taking pictures and going like, oh, it's Chris Rock. Oof. Chris Rock comes up and he's just like, "Oh no!" Yeah. Chris Rock just says a few words, says, "Hey," um, and then he says, "So I, I go on set, I kill it, mm-hmm. and I go back, I go back to the green room, and, and Chris Rock's not there." He says, "I saw him two weeks later in L.A." He was like, "Man, mm-hmm. you didn't stay for my set," and he was. And Chris Rock was like, "Oh, man, I knew you kill it," and just sort of like he said, that was the validation he needed. Like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I knew you. You didn't need me to be there. Like I knew you'd do great. Gotcha. And he was like, "That's when I knew. Like, okay, I can handle this. I can. I'm all right." Awesome. But it's a difference, right? Don't like imagine like I'm doing a set and Chris Rock shows up and does like 45 minutes mm-hmm. of like some solid material, right? And then Mr. Unknown Comic Guy, who's just now headlining, <laughs> has to like do a set. Mm-hmm. That would crush me. Yeah, it would crush me. So yeah, that stuff happens. And so yeah, so in the film, yeah, that happens. But where... ima- imagine though, imagine you're I'm like some super cute Instagram model and they want to pay me to show up. Was a playlist someone's already curated to look cute with yeah. Beats by Dre headphones on and stand behind a turntable and push play. Mm-hmm. I'll take that check. So the different the difference <laughs> is check. 
<laughs> with with this film, and that led to one of the confrontations is Blontron. Blontron is in her set. Yeah, you know she is playing her stuff. She has her laptop. She is yeah. dancing, and these dudes just start lining up behind her. Like there is a group of women on stage performing, and these dudes are just standing there, arms folded, and just shaking their heads. And you know, so finally she goes back there. She was like, "What are you guys doing?" They're like, "It's our set." They almost go to start unplugging oh, no. her equipment. And he was like, you're not even a real DJ. Uh, blah, blah. Uh, so that became part of it. Because the thing is, with these women in particular, and this is something that I think a lot of people just in the music world, or maybe who are not connected to the music world, if you go to a club and there's somebody on a laptop, immediately there's this assumption, oh, they're not a real DJ. They're not yeah. this and that. For women. Well, and, and other people, but especially for women. Especially for women. With this, the amazing one of the amazing things this documentary does is it shows these women as producers. Right. These are not just quote unquote DJs. The music that they are playing from their laptop, from the MIDI player, while cutting and scratching and doing other things, is music they already made. They created it mm. on a digital platform. Right. And are performing it on a digital platform. But yeah, so these dudes are just rolling up on her. Wow. You're not a real DJ. You. Had, I saw you with the MIDI player. I was like, yeah, with music that I created. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. So this documentary, I mean, that is just one of the the DJs, Blontron. The music in this, first of all, I mean, it is amazing. It is a music documentary. Good. The thing that, to me, makes a docu- music documentary successful is if it is about a genre that you might not be particularly interested in. This one, at least, I mean, I like the music. At the end of it, I was like, I want to download that soundtrack right yeah. now you ever see Ed O'Eight's the documentary it played at Civ a couple years ago oh I remember it playing it's but solid. I did not see it it's a solid you hear like the history of the Ed O'Eight kick drum mm-hmm. it's fascinating and you start hearing it and everything you're like oh yeah. that's right it's on this song yeah it's great yeah so successful music documentaries yeah. make you want to yes. then be involved with that mm-hmm. the other thing that this did it takes women from so many different backgrounds right and so many different struggles <laughs> that they go through just being women mm-hmm in the entertainment and music industry. So they go from festival to festival. Uh, they did Burning Man, which after living in Oregon wow. for as long as I did, I know a lot of burners. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Burning Man. Would you ever go? Um, uh, <laughs> I was, I was, you went invited, but I have had opportunities. Yeah. I have, I have not gone. Would you go now? I would go. Just for the experience, just to see see it for myself because I've seen it in about to review Burning Man. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, that, would, that would be amazing. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I've seen enough documentaries. You need a costume, and I know. Bro. Oh yeah, oh I can do a costume. Go Mad Max. Uh, so yeah, so Burning Man it goes to a bunch of other uh, electronica festivals yeah. all over the country, They're all over the world, all over, all over the world. That so, music plays everywhere. Yeah, it was directed by Ian McKenzie and uh, Nicole. Surchin, um, I forgot how to pronounce her name because I actually, unfortunately, did not get a chance to talk to her on the show. But this coming week on Friday, there will be an about to interview uh, with her or with Ian, sorry, yes. on Friday. Awesome. So the documentary, yeah, is Amplify Her. The cool thing also they did is not only is it a documentary, they did a motion comic and they did a graphic novel. Oh, wow. So I have a copy of the graphic novel that they gave to me. It sure. is awesome. So and it gives it gave the the women in this movie the power to then be like, how do you see yourself as a superhero? Right. 
how would you see yourself if you had powers? Yeah. So awesome. really, really cool. So is it going to be in theaters or? So yeah, it is, in, it is in theaters now as far as the festival circuit. Yeah. They are hoping for some distribution. Okay. Uh, again, with with independent releases like this, yeah. it is always tricky. Man. Because part of it is like, cool, if we release it online on our own stuff, it is there. Anybody can have it. If we do DVDs, people can do that. Once you put your thing on DVD, it cannot get a Netflix streaming deal. Gotcha. So it gets a little bit tricky. And again, that is kind of some inside baseball you know, industry stuff. But So they're kind of in that process right now. Where, like They will do the festival circuit. Uh, like I said, this was the U.S. premiere. It has only had three showings. Mm-hmm. So they're still kind of in the process. Okay. Once this hits whatever platform it is on, I think it will really do well because it is such a unique and under-told. Mm-hmm. Not under-told. That is not a word. Under-served uh, mm-hmm. population. The screening where we were at SIF Uptown there were people standing up in the seats dancing because they were instructed to do that. They were like, if you feel something in this movie, wow, react. All right. So, and there were a ton of female DJs in the audience. So the core audience for this is there. All right. So, uh, yeah. So I will put all the links uh, to that in the show notes and I interviewed Ian McKenzie that will drop on Friday. For the rating system, good, bad, and ugly. Amplify her, absolutely good. Not only was a solid, was it a solid technical documentary? The music was great. The motion comic stuff looked incredible. Yeah. The graphic novel is solid. So yeah, Amplify her gets a good. Now to a small little TV show, small little TV show that returned this weekend. Yes. Tim, yes, tell us yes. what show returned this weekend. Stranger Things season two. Mm-hmm. Returned to Netflix. Nine episodes. Yeah, which. I kind of got, I, I will say, I'm glad. You didn't want 14? No. <laughs> I, or, or rather, I do, do I want it? No. Yes. Am I okay with them doing nine so they can concentrate the story down? Absolutely. Okay. So, where does this pick up? This picks up a uh, short time after uh, the end of the first season. Will is back, but he's having these visions of yeah. the upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, Has some PTSD. Eleven is back. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all back together, and you're sort of watching the evolution of these characters. Well, they're not back together. They're back they're on back. the show. Yes. Uh, you're watching the evolution of these characters. Dustin, mm-hmm. um, Will, Will, Mike, M- Mike everybody, the mm-hmm. whole crew. Um, there's a new bully in town who's it's a smidge racist. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. guy uh, looks like Zac Efron. That compared, like, there, there was a <laughs> meme does. that, there was a meme that was like going Zac around. But I saw it, I was like, is that Zac Efron? I was like, oh, wait, that's not him. And because it, it talked about, like, that actor, he was Dude, like. he looks just like him. He really does. Like, and, freaky. And he acts like the Zac yeah. Efron jock from, like, yeah. Neighbors. There's a new girl who shows up in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they're they're dealing with, with Will having sort of these flashbacks, and uh, they realize that there's more to what's happening upside down, and they realize. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of get pulled back into trying to fight off whatever's coming for them. Yeah, because that's the show without spoiling anything that actually really happens. Yeah, yeah. and that is the thing is because it is on Netflix, it just dropped yeah. you know, a couple days ago. So yeah, I mean... So you, you watched the first four episodes. Yeah, so I, I only watched the first four because life has been kind of crazy. The Amplify Her screening that I went to right. did not get out until after midnight. On, on Thursday? On Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and then You could have came home and just watched like an episode. Well, no, because that... I had to come home and edit the episode that dropped on Friday with Daily Magic Productions that I did. Yeah. 
So I didn't like get. I did not get to sleep until like two a.m. because I was editing. Hey, me either. But I was up watching Stranger Things. Well, good for you. And then I had, as Chris Lambert calls it, my survival job. Yeah. Uh, so I did that on Friday. After Friday, went up and met with Ian McKenzie. Yeah. The funny thing about the, that interview I did with him, he was like, "Hey, we have a DJ set that night. We're gonna have dinner. Do you want to just meet somewhere downtown?" Wow. What time was it? Oh, uh, that was what. Well, the DJ set started at like nine. Oh wow. And so, well. The early one. Then it went from 10 to 2. Hmm. Anyway, so he is Canadian. And he was like, yeah, we'll just meet downtown somewhere. And I was like, cool, let me know where. We meet in Belltown. Yeah. And at this nice restaurant, super loud in there. So we're like, how about we just go sit outside? Yeah. So we sat outside on the corner mm-hmm. of like First and Bell. Wow. Yeah. So that. <laughs> it's interesting. It was interesting. And I just, to, to watch a person mm-hmm. who is not from Seattle. Mm-hmm. Witness some of the things that yeah. happened on First and Bell. <laughs> so, and I'm just trying to have this interview with him. People are walking by. It was kind of cool because people yeah. are walking by seeing it. And they would just kind of hang out and watch. Yeah. So it was an interesting uh, situation. Wow. Uh, but with Stranger Things, just came out. I forget where. Oh, that was what I was doing because I only watched the first four. What do you think? What is your. What My, do you think of the first four? The first four. What is amazing to me that they were able to do, it feels the same, it looks the same, it sounds the same. These were filmed over a year apart. Mm-hmm. Yes. The kids, and they actually, the Duffer Brothers talked about it in a different interview when they were like, we wanted to film season two and three back to back. They didn't want to do three and four back to back. Or th- Yeah, three and four, sorry. Three and four back to back because the kids are at that age yeah. where I think right now they are freshmen- no, I think they're still in eighth grade yeah. because they uh, one of the, the bully was like, oh, wait until you get to high school or whatever. So they're going to hit that point where they start to look a lot older. Yeah. Voices are going to change, but they still look the same. They mm-hmm. still act the same to get back in character for a show like that and to have it feel the same is tremendous. Yeah, because unlike shows uh, like Arrow. Or Supergirl that all film up in Vancouver, they're around each other all the time. Right. I know they take a break from filming, but that is the main thing that they are doing. And they're not like aging rapidly at that Exactly. <laughs> and there because I mean, not only as an, <sighs> as an actor, but as a young boy and a yeah. young oh, girl, look. like your voice starts to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I so far in these first four episodes, mm-hmm. all in. Yeah. And it's, I kind of powered through these first four. I'm probably going to go back and watch them yeah. again. I, I enjoyed it. I finished it Saturday, Friday night. Oh, wow. Friday night, Saturday morning. Um, poor Will, man. He's like the most tortured oh. person since and that, kid. that daughter that? from Taken, who, who went through a lot. <laughs> uh, Noah Schnapp yeah. is his name. I just he's, looked it he's up. He's great. Uh, what's Dude, his name? Like... Samwise shows up. He's great in his little small. <laughs> Sean Astin. <laughs> Samwise. He, uh, he's great. Um, what is crazy about Sean Astin? He's the lovable Sean Astin. He is, but, and I, I mean, do not spoil anything for me because I'm only four episodes in. Oh, I won't. Um, or people listening. Or, you know, oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> no, this is just me. <laughs> Watching him, I was like, I was like, oh, you know, this guy is good. I was like, hmm. But I, I started getting mm. suspicious um, okay. of him, but that, you know, who knows how that's going to You think he's like a out. demogorgon? What do you think? His face is going to open up. Well, first of all, those are not true demogorgons. Demogorgons okay. and Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons had and two heads. <laughs> They had dinosaur feet. They're one of the toughest. Anyway, whatever. Um, but no, I just, I got a weird feeling from him. Mm-hmm. What is funny. So Paul Reiser, 
is in this. Paul Reiser is great. He is really good. I feel like I've not seen him in a long I time. I can't think of the last time I've seen Paul Reiser in anything. And I feel like this is not a shared universe. Yes. His character from this and Alien. <laughs> oh, he or was a- such a alien. jerk in Aliens. Aliens, yeah. Aliens. Who says it? He wanted to keep the specimen. Man. What a jerk. But seeing him similar, in... Similar. Yeah, kind of very characters. similar. Seeing him in this... First of all, if you go to a government facility in a situation like this where Will is struggling... And this government facility obviously knows what is happening. And he is like, don't worry, I'm on your side. That equals, I am definitely not on your side. Right, 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 right. Anybody who says right. that. Yeah. Like, if you have to say, don't worry, I'm on your side. Yeah. No, you are not. So, yeah, Paul Reiser yeah. Is, is great. Sean Astin, what was interesting is when I first saw him, I yeah. was like. Yeah, the, the last Ooh. scene of this season is great. It left me with the like, wow, what the hell is going to happen next season? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I wonder what's going to happen. I also had to look up to see if Sean Astin, what the age difference was between he and one on Ryder. Not that much, is it? No, they're the same age. Oh, wow. Really? Exactly. I looked wow. it up and I was like, 1971. Damn, great. She's great again. The thing that I love about one on a Ryder and her performance, that actually is most of the characters in this. Authenticity. Yeah. Like, the way that, I mean, yes, she still is in makeup because yeah. it is still a show. Right. The minimalistic makeup that they use, that fits her character so well. Right. Because she is that, not struggling mom, but I mean, she has one son who is kind of fighting literally, or has fought literally demons. Was like in another place. In another plane of existence. And her other son is a weird dude Mm -hmm. also, but means well. So that type of authenticity with her and the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, Dustin is still hilarious. Dustin's, Dustin's funny. Uh, Got his teeth fixed. Or not even fixed. I mean, he grew them. Yeah. In the, it was kind of weird because in the first season, he does not have them. You're like, all right, you're a kid. Mm-hmm. That happens. In this one, it is like, okay, did they grow in? Who knows? You know. It's funny. But either way, it works. And I think yeah. that is the difference with this show and some other Netflix properties that... Because now Netflix is kind of putting their stamp on everything. Yeah. Well, what I love about most about the show is that you feel like you're transported mm-hmm. into their town. And you're sort of with these people for nine episodes in this world they're living in where there's an upside down. And there's mm-hmm. Eleven. And there's Demogorgons. And there's, you know, crazy, shady government buildings that do weird experiments mm-hmm. uh, and that affect the town. So you, it sort of transports you into this world and you sort of live in. I felt the same way about Mindhunters. I felt like you're just sort oh, of transported right. into this place where you're with these people learning about serial killers. And that's the brilliance of, of, of Stranger Things. It, it does that, so you feel like you're in this. That's why people binge it so quickly, because you're in this space. Yeah. These episodes end on these bizarre cliffhangers, so you're like, I guess I gotta watch the next one. <laughs> that was the thing. I guess I gotta... <laughs> the first episode... three in the morning. <laughs> the first episode <laughs> ended, and I was like, I was like, okay. like It felt like a good, like, yeah. a solid, regular episode. Yeah. Man. Two, three, and four. Yeah. At the end of each of those episodes, yeah. I was like, I have to watch the yeah. next one. Like it just, and you can. Yeah. So that yeah. an episode ends with Will. You're like, uh, I guess I need to figure out what happens to Will next. Yeah, because he's looks like he's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown. I, had to, yeah. I always forget her name because I know it is long. Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown as Eleven. She's good. Is amazing. She's good. And I will be very I interested. What she's do next. Exactly. Like Finn Wolfhard <laughs> is the only one who we have seen kind of do another thing. Like he was in It. Yeah. Crushed it in It. Funny in It. He keeps busy. 
the rest of these kids, like, I mean, who knows? What's they, the name? The kid uh, was in the. He was in that uh, New Edition story. Kayla Lucas? Yeah. Lucas was in that. Oh, really? Yeah. He was in that New Edition oh, story. Oh, the. Emery told me about that months ago and I still have yeah. not seen it. Oh. You hate New Edition. So you hate New <laughs> Edition on. and baby clothes. Come on. Oh, yeah. The New Edition story. Yeah. Gotcha. It's a New Edition story. Um, he was good in that. He can dance. Okay. Nice. He can move. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I mean, so the kids, again, I'm interested to see where they go from here. I st- There are still a couple characters, and I'm trying to remember. Um, but, but like, Nancy is still believable. Yes. And still authentic. I still am not really sure kind of where, where that track is going. And again, it she's might... dealing with the guilt of Barb. Yeah, because Barb. Imagine that. I mean, okay. So first... Imagine you knew something happened to me mm-hmm. and you didn't tell my family what happened to me. Yeah. Well, and, and, you, not, and you knew specifically and, and what not happened. not just something happened. Yeah. You are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and my family's trying to find me. You're just like, eh, he's yeah. an upside down guy. Like that, she's dealing with that sort of guilt. I like that aspect of her. Like, so spoiler, spoiler alert for season one because I came out last year. Everyone, the, come on, what a spoiler for a show that's been out for like a year plus. That is okay, right? We can do that. We can spoil it. Okay, I'm yeah, explaining yeah. the spoiler alert. Okay, so with Barb, Barb, her best friend, mm-hmm. uh, who she treated like garbage. She drugged to this party so she can hook up with this right. dude. So I was trying to remember because I did not go back and rewatch parts of it. Yeah. So in this, she was dealing with the guilt. She was like, we killed Barb. Yes. I remember Barb getting pulled into the Upside Down. Yes. And they see her in the Upside Down. Right. What? How did she? Did they kill her? I was trying to remember like. I don't how know did, if she's alive. I don't know if she knows how to get back. Okay. Because I was trying to think. Because when she kept saying, we killed Barb and they're dealing with would that you, guilt. You would assume she was dead. Yeah. I guess I would just. I was trying to. I thought there was a scene from season one. I was like, did I miss something? But No, no it would be season three for me is Barb comes back and she's not the same. Uh yeah, I mean again, She's think of some, how messed up Will is. Got some evils in her who only was there a little bit. Yeah, I imagine Bar comes back and she's sort of like a vessel for whatever's over there. Nice. She starts committing murders. I like it. That's my season um, three Stranger Things pitch. Ooh, Barb. All right, Duffer Brothers. Uh, Barb, Barb is the villain. <laughs> Jump on it. Um, yeah. The only other things I had for that is that. Uh, actually, no. That yeah. Cause so is far that- with with four episodes. It's great. Um, oh, the because they now have a little bit more money. Yes, the show does look a little bit more polished in certain scenes. Yeah, which is fine. I I mean, again, I'm not faulting them because again, huge runaway hit with mm-hmm. season one. Right. Duffer Brothers are like, hey, can we get maybe one or two more yeah. million? And they're like, just take it. Yeah, you know, it's a runaway hit. So some of it still looks a little. I think they're still kind of adapting to the technology and adapting to that higher budget. Mm-hmm. But so far, yeah, it's I'm fine. all in. It, for what it is, it's fine. Mm-hmm. If you if you like the show, I think you'll appreciate season two. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a fun ride. It's crazy. It's mm-hmm. not scary in the way that it's it's people think. It's creepy. I was gonna say it is unnerving. There's some jump, yeah, there's some jump scares, but it's yeah. not like scary. unnerving and creepy. It's but... way. More, it's more definitely more sci-fi than horror. But there is like mm. some horror elements for like like that's kind of creepy. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, so w- since you have seen the whole season. Yes. I will allow you to rate it. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good season. I'm excited for season three. I thought it ended well. Okay. Um, you know, it's one of those things where like things seem ex- like Game of Thrones where a season ends and things <laughs> seem like they're in good space. And you're like, mm-hmm. this is going to last for long, you guys. Like everyone's like cheering. Mm-hmm. Why are you cheering? One of my 
guilty pleasure shows that I've been watching for years is Suits. Oh gosh, um, that uh, would make one person I know that watches Suits. Yeah, I love Suits. Um, I think part of it is the speech and debate background. Anyway, but with that, every yeah, same thing. The season starts after they have resolved whatever mm-hmm. big bad issue in the season before. Everyone is happy. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. yeah, nah, <laughs> See, episode bro. two, yeah. chaos. Yeah. Chaos is coming back there to, to, to their little town. But uh, which yeah, I, it, I think it's good. I mean, I think if if something is resolved, I mean, at the end of season one, yeah, everything is, quote unquote, resolved and fixed. And you see Will in the bathroom coughing up, coughing up something. Yeah. And you're like, Ugh. and that is how it ends. And you're like, mm-hmm. yep, that that coughing up something comes into play. Yes. Yes. So, great. Well, I'm glad that it is a good. It's good. I have five episodes left. Cannot wait. Wait. Five, six, seven, eight. I really just had to count to see how many episodes I had left You're on tired, my... tired, my man. <laughs> Sheesh. You're uh, tired. I am. But at the same time, uh, one of the... I forget. I think it was Laura. Lori on Shark Tank. Yeah. Talks about being an entrepreneur. A little side, side rant for a second. She says the entrepreneur will work 80 hours so they do not have to work 40. Right now, with this podcast that you are listening to, this is a part-time job, people. Mm-hmm. I spend probably 20 to 25 hours on this every week. Wow. Whether it's going to screenings, writing notes, production, editing. So at some recording point... Recording a podcast? Recording. As a, so yeah, at, at some point, I would like those scales to balance out a little bit more. But right now, the things that make me tired are also the things that fuel me. Yeah. And they're the thing, the fun things that I'm doing, like going to see a screening that gets out at midnight for an awesome documentary and getting the chance to meet the directors and yeah. some of the DJs is awesome. Yeah. So life is good. Life is exhausting. Yeah. Oh, that should be on my next shirt. <laughs> life is good. Life is exhausting. <laughs> Writing that down right now. Because uh, my pen does not work. Who About to review pens. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, of the shirts, though, uh. I have received a couple more pictures of people wearing nice. the things. I will be putting those up this week. No babies though. Uh again, I will not do that until somebody reaches out and is like, hey, I need a onesie. I'm about to review babies. So <laughs> to show up at hospitals and review the babies. <laughs> Your baby's ugly. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that on air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so cool. All right, so that was Stranger Things. Next, because it is Somewhat Halloween appropriate. It is somewhat Halloween. Yes. Uh, you were listening to this on Wednesday, November 1st. <clears throat> we're going to talk about some movies that scared us. That yes. actually, not were scary, but that scared us. Yes. So, these could be, kind of, mine kind of run the gamut. I wrote down just a few. Wow. Um, well, because I was trying to go through and I was like, because psychological horror usually gets me yeah. way more than other things. So, I have kind of a little little bit of a mix. Uh, how many do you have? Do you have three? I have three. Right. So you start with, are they in any order? Just... No, no. Excellent. No, okay. No. So the first movie on your list of a movie that legitimately scared you. Go. Uh, that would be the first movie that ever scared me was Friday the 13th, part three. Part three. Part, part three. three. So part three is when he gets the mask. He doesn't get the mask until. Two. No. He doesn't get the mask until. So they're they're at this camp. Uh-huh. And. Camp guy, Crystal Lake, which for whatever camp, reason they decided to open up again. Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> this lady, this girl's telling about the horrors. This guy has eyeballs in a bag, says, don't go here. Mm-hmm. He gave me these eyeballs. You're all in danger. They're like, oh, he's a freak. <laughs> they show up. Um, so halfway through the movie, one of the guys goes into like this barn. And he's got like a wetsuit and uh, um, 
a harpoon and a hockey mask. Mm-hmm. And if you remember in the second movie, Jason, his face is covered. He's got like a bag on oh, his face. Oh, like okay. Like a sack okay. over his face yep. with the eyes cut out. Mm-hmm. So, and his, of course, his mother's the murderer in the first movie. So in the Spoiler second, alert for a movie that came out 35 yeah. years so ago. So in the third movie, like they, they cut away. They don't really show his face. You like see his body like moving around. Mm. It's not until the guy goes back into the barn halfway through the film that he puts on the hockey mask. And she thinks he's somebody else. And, hmm. and she's like, "Stop playing around!" And he like harpoons her through the eyeball. Uh, yeah, that movie. Oh, that old joke. Yeah, that old harpoon through the eyeball joke gets him every time. Right. But that that movie it legitimately scared me because at that time in my life I didn't really have any sense of time. And I mean, it was film. our was our eyesight sharp? Stop. <laughs> uh, I I didn't really have a, a context for how long movies lasted. So one point, Ooh, I, think, okay. I think they get the best of him. Like, oh, they they defeated him. And he like pops up and kills mm-hmm. more people. Uh, and it got it got to me. It was like mm. these because there's like a subplot of like these biker gang, this biker gang that shows up and tries to fight him, and he kills him in this barn. Like, of course, it's does. a crazy. It was like I could. I think at that age when I watched it, I could understand death and fear mm. and those kind of things on a level where enough that those movies terrify me. So Friday Thirteenth Part Three was the first movie that ever legitimately scared me. That okay. I watched as a kid, and I probably watched it way too young. Well, as, as we normally way do. <laughs> too young. I was watching that movie. Uh, so I will start with one that that I actually is one of my favorite movies that yeah. scared me at the time. Titanic. Uh, well, that scared me because it was terrible. Anyway, um, <laughs> the Dark Crystal. What is not on is my? The, is it the is, puppets? It's not on my. The Skeksis. <laughs> like I, because again, I saw that movie when I was probably like six. And so it is a Henson production. Everything is pretty. And then you have these terrifying Skeksis, which the thing that was so scary about them is with how realistic they were. Because Jim Henson Studios mm-hmm. or Henson Studios has the best puppetry yeah. anybody has ever yeah. seen. There's a great Jim Henson exhibit right now. There is. Yeah. At Mopop. At Mopop. Um, so when these Skeksis come on and the way they move, mm-hmm. please, like the way they talk, everything about it terrified me yeah loved the movie um but that that scared me but the first kind of real like horror movie that scared me i also saw really young because it was my dad's favorite one of his favorite movies creature from the black lagoon wow the reason that scared me so much yes the reason that scared me so much is because at the agent stage where i grew up in the northwest i grew up swimming in lakes and ponds and rivers any to this day Anytime I'm in a lake doing when I was swimming a lot more often than I am now because life, um, anytime a, a piece of seaweed or a leaf touches my leg, immediately in the back of my head, Creatures in the Black Lagoon. So to me, that Still. is, oh, to the, yes. I was in the middle of a race at one point swimming and I touched something underneath me. I swear it was a body. <laughs> I swear. And I was like, no. And I was like, kept freaking out. Kept swim. It was bad. Wow. Uh, but so to me, that is what horror is. Wow. Those things that stick with you mm-hmm. your entire, maybe not your entire life, but to this day. And I saw that movie when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So Creature from the Black Lagoon. Not only is it a technological masterpiece. Right. I've talked about it before. I do not know how they filmed some of those scenes with the technology they had. Right. It is incredible. Right. Yeah, terrifying. Next wow. on your list. Uh, next on my li- list is the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. I remember the commercial scaring my brother. 
Wow. <laughs> and I well, then again, it was know. an '80s commercial, which means they it was just a trailer the- for the movie, and it was like a scene. The scene with Freddie walks through the bars at the, at the at the jail, and I was like, "What is going on?" Mm-hmm. And, so, and so when I watched it, thanks to my uncle, I should have watched it. I, I was afraid to go to sleep. Shout out, Unc. Yep, yeah, there you go. I was afraid to go to sleep. Because it was this idea that, like, because in the, in the dream world, Freddy can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. You are at your most yeah. vulnerable and, and that he scene, is yeah. most powerful. Right. And there's that scene in the school where that there's that body bag that gets drugged down the hallway. Ugh. And there's, like, a blood trail. And she follows it. And she ends Why up, does she follow it? Because she is stupid. Because she's in a dream. Because dumb people dream. do dumb things in these and movies. she follows <laughs> it down to the boiler room, the whole boiler room thing. And, you know, we're used to seeing Freddy now in these other movies. And Freddy's like a wise-cracking, ghoulish-looking figure. But early on, he was a child murderer. And they alluded to him mm-hmm. being a child molester. And he didn't have a lot of funny lines. He just showed up and killed people. He would show up in your dreams and murder you. Mm-hmm. And that was frightening to me. Later on, they like... But Nightmare on Street Two is a weird RT kind of thing. Yeah, three he gets to more, he gets to be more comical. Was Dream Warriors three or was that four? Uh, it might have been five. Jeez, three. I don't know, three or five. So, so Johnny so Depp I, was in two. Two's in one. He gets he sucked in into one? bed and blood shoots up to the ceiling. Yeah, right. So See, I get those so mixed up. Because, yeah, they all mesh in together. But yeah. one one was like the opening to one, and, and this is true for a lot of like. Wes Craven's movie is like the opening to one it's a, it's a short film essentially it's it's mm. this girl having a dream that she can't get out of and she wakes up right her her nightgown is cut that's the sh- that's a short horror film mm-hmm. um, but even, even in that short film when she sees him in the in the, I remember being freaked out because Freddie turns the corner and all you see is his shadow mm. and you see like this hat and his shadow looks it looks a little longer than the normal shadow that's right. freaky and then when he turns the corner his arms sort of extend out mm-hmm. like they're a little longer than normal. That's freaky. It was Mm-mm. little, little stuff like that. Really, really, really freaked me out. And even at the when she's in the dream, she's walking through her house. She's like, like much like a dream. She just she jumps all of a sudden. She's at the front door and she's outside. And that because that's how dreams work. It mm-hmm. really freaked me out because that's how my dreams work. Um, yeah. So not around Elm Street, man. Everything, the hat, the glove. Um, I think the scariest scene in that movie for me. Um, was the end not the end where like she has all the boo traps in the house where it's all goofy he's like right. whoa, whoa. he's like right. falling around like, <laughs> it's not that part mm-hmm. it's um it's the end in where you think they've won and freddie mm. the, the kids get trapped in the car and the mom gets sucked through the window you realize she's still dreaming that she's not she's not awake mm-hmm. i was like oh man it ends with him winning. It ends with yeah. him he murdering wins. these he wins, he wins a couple different times. He wins a lot. Freddie does a lot of winning. That mm-hmm. was a terrifying. Because I'm used to seeing these movies where, you know, Halloween or whatever, where the bad guy gets bested yeah. and, you know, people live on. And and even if he's still alive, it's like in a weird sense where you see the body bag move in the morgue or you mm-hmm. see someone's hand coming out of the grave. You don't actually or, see. I was going to say the hand through the yeah, earth. Yeah, the hand through the, you know. the, earth, the dirt. Mm-hmm. It's not seeing the villain actually prevail. Mm-hmm. At tricking them to thinking they were awake and they weren't. Yeah, yeah. Movie nice. scared the hell out of me. One thing from the movie that will always that I, it will always remind me of right. is for a long time, whether it was my like family or friends or whatever, like who wanted to be mean. One, two, yeah. Freddy's after. Like, do this. Like, it just those little girls, super creepy. Yeah, three. The four, music. Better luck. Your Things were a little smoky. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that is a good one. The, for sure. The, the parents who were terrible parents. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh again, my my number two choice. I guess that this it was scary because it was the first movie 
that disturbed me where I could not really sleep. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I thought you were going to say Devil Wars, The Devil Wars Prada. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Oh, yeah. The 19, 1974. Ugh, that movie is disturbing. Like, it, that was the, and I saw it, I want to say, like, in late middle school. But even then, it was the first, what we now call torture porn. You know, yes. Like hostile and Saw, where it just started, they wanted to get to the point where they were like, look what we can do with, you know, to make you believe that I'm actually shoving this through somebody's yeah. eye. We're pushing the boundaries of right. gore with like showing this blood and yeah. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though, when I watched that, it it, it made me Was feel. Was it the dead guy at the, at the dinner table that freaked you out? It was that the whole oh the whole dinner table scene, <laughs> the entire dinner table scene, and Leatherface, Leatherface. I mean that was a weird thing. Leatherface, yes, was obviously scary, nah. but it was how everyone else interacted. Yeah, Leatherface became sort of the mascot of that whole thing. But yeah, it, everyone like, else was crazy. The, the family was like it. It made me feel tight. Like my my chest was just tight watching that. And after it ended. And I mean, yeah, I kind of make fun of it now, but when he is just going crazy with the chainsaw and everything. I mean, who doesn't go crazy with a chainsaw? Right. But it, that movie thoroughly disturbed me. So when I think of movies that have that like level of horror, mm-hmm. 100% that movie. I've not watched the, the remake one, the, the Rob Zombie one. Mm, I'm not a big fan of Rob Zombie's horror movies. Yeah, neither am I. If you did Halloween, I was like, come yeah. on, come uh, on. 10,000 Corpses yeah. or 1,000 Corpses. Uh, 10,000 corpses. Yeah, 10,000 corpses. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, a Devil, lot of corpses. Devil's Rejects. Just, no, That was too just much. a bad movie. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, people who love that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm not one of nope. them. Nope. Not me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Texas Johnson Massacre. Wow. Next on your list. Uh, the Omen. Ooh. That little Dude, kid. Dude, kid. <laughs> the little Damien. Mm-hmm. The bad Damien. We know the good Damien. Right. <laughs> this bad Damien kid, man. Like, the beginning of the movie with that... that Babysitter gets on the rooftop and says, "This is for you, Damien," and hangs Jump, herself. Yeah, I was like, just jumps. "What?" I watched that movie. I had to have been in the tenth grade. I was with my brother, oh, wow. some of his friends, and these girls wanted to hang out. Mm-hmm. And I was like the younger guy hanging out, and we all were at his friend's house watching The Omen. And I was like, "You guys were really playing it fast and noose." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why am I watching this movie? Oh, but you don't want to be scared in front of a bunch of girls. So I was kind of like, let me just let me try to be cool. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't know if it scared me, but it really freaked me out. Like the dogs, like seeing the, the way people died in those photographs was creepy. Mm-hmm. The uh, like the guy was sort of just on a mission to find out what was happening. The whole Antichrist angle, it just was Yeesh. super creepy. I remember just being really creeped out and and leaving with like a weird mood. Mm-hmm. The other movies that made me feel weird like that was Science of the Lambs. Maybe just put me in the odd space. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I have that on my list, but I was not sure kind of where. Science it would... of the Lambs made me feel super weird. And um, uh, uh, what's that movie? The Stephen King movie. Uh, Misery. No. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Oh, oof. Pet Cemetery okay. was Orkunjo. like that little kid with the exacto knife on the Achilles was mm-hmm. a lot for me. Yeah. Uh, I've learned to appreciate the movie more as an adult, but man, early on, I was like, this movie is bonkers. Mm -hmm. And I was, as a super, super young kid, American Wolf in London. Okay. Yeah. My mom loved that movie, and I watched it way too much. That movie was scary. But yeah, but there's that scene, that great scene in that movie where they're in the, uh, the the guys in the the tube Mm -hmm. trying to catch the train, and you don't see the wolf until the end. Mm -hmm. But what what I, as I was rewatching it recently, 
what I identified with is like everyone knows that fear of feeling like there's somebody around and there's not. Mm-hmm. Being like, hello, someone over there. You're you're waiting for something. You're at a bus stop or a train station by yourself, and you're like you you're like, am I seeing other people? He feels like he's being followed, so he takes off and he realizes he is being followed. Then he realizes what is following him, and you're watching all these steps happen. In the end, he's trying to call up the escalator. He falls down, and you it's this wide shot of him going up the escalator slowly. He's like petrified, and you mm-hmm. see this gigantic like werewolf. Come after Stalking, yeah. yeah. Everyone in the town, like the little bar, they know about the werewolf. They won't tell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie and the, the first transformation is super creepy. Like his whole amazing. It, what kills me, like, because I just watched it like a month ago. Mm-hmm. It looks painful. It is. It looks that, that's one of the like, things. Like, so painful, bro. That they talk about his in... face is changing. Like he's like he's <laughs> in pain as he's changing. Think about that for a second. And there's a show. It was originally on the BBC. They redid it on Sci-Fi Channel called Being Human. Yes, I love that show. So the BBC version was fantastic. The Sci-Fi version was good for like a season and a half. Right. It just went to crap. But yeah, they talk about that. As the werewolf changed, you was like, imagine every bone in your body yeah. breaking. breaking. Yeah, you see that in the movie. Like it's breaking and his skin is stretching. And he's Ugh. like, ah! He's like, yeah. 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 And he keeps seeing his dead friend. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the 90s American Werewolf in Paris. Okay, that movie's terrible, but yes. there's a really, really good scene. I'm all about like good scenes and bad mm-hmm. movies. There's a really good. We're scene. We're gonna do an episode on that. We are gonna do that. Good scene in a bad movie. That's that scene where that guy's in the tunnel with the trying to light the torch. Yes. And behind him, you can see the werewolf the coming. Eyes. And yeah. as he's lighting it, you see it getting closer. That was like this is a really good scene in a movie that's <laughs> so that has dumb. some guy bungee jumping off the, the, the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. Tower. Like yeah, and like that weird rave party where people just get murdered in. I think I think people stole that from Blade. Yes, because Blade did that well, and it was like, what if we had a party and all these people got murdered because they thought they were there for a party, but they're there for a murder? <laughs> and the same with like uh, Blade did it well, and um, what was that Tarantino joint where they uh, Dustal Dawn does it well? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that scene in Blade. That's Blade. I saw Blade in the theater when it came out. Oh yeah, blew my mind. Blade was crazy. Loved it. Had the soundtrack. Had both soundtracks. I like Blade Two soundtrack. Blade two sound well. Blade the the first soundtrack. I mean, you had KRS One on there because yeah. he and Wesley Snipes were like buddies. Yeah, and I was like, all right, choose your friends wisely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey man, what's wrong, with Wesley? Hmm. What? Yeah, I'm sure he was a great man. Please, Wesley Snipes, do not come and find me. <laughs> he's like a solid dude. I, don't know. I had no beef with Wesley Snipes, man. He's been in some iconic films. Absolutely. Love um, that, man. I could do I could do a whole episode on his movie. Yeah, I have seen. We should do a whole Wesley Snipes episode. Oh, I want to do. Drop Zone, I want to do yeah. Patrick 57, I want to do Rising Sun. Uh, Murder at 1400 Murder Pennsylvania. Murder at 1400 Pennsylvania. <laughs> Passenger 57. Uh, 57. Um, oh, yeah. There's... White Man Can't Jump. White Man Can't Jump. Uh, <laughs> New Jack City. Yeah. Uh, what else was he... What else did he do? Oh, my God. And Blade, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's another big one we're missing. He will be the only Blade. No. I mean, Grant... No. Nope. No, no. I mean, like, when I think about it... Nah. Like, uh, I remember when uh, the guy from Onyx... Yeah, uh, Kirk Sticky Fingers. Yeah, uh, did that Blade show. Yep, yep. Whew. That was bad. Yeah, that was rough. That was, was when, that was a a launch for Spike when Spike. Yeah, TV I remember first that. Yeah, when Spike first came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. cool. All right, so What's my next episode. Get my, right <laughs> my next movie, and this again, a couple different ones. Speaking of kids, though, because children are terrifying. Children in the corn. No, uh, a modern one actually. The Japanese version. Of the ring called oh, Ringu. Ringu was creepy. Whoo, man. Ringu was There creepy. is something oh, about a pale what? child, blackout eyes, 
when he opens his mouth and you hear like that cat yell. Yeah. I mean, that movie. The wet hair and the little pale yeah. kid with the dark hair and the dark eyes. And there are certain, ah, there, super creepy. There are certain friends of mine who, if I'm on the phone with them and you start going, uh, like they will get freaked. Yeah. Well, so it was The Ring. What was the other one called? Juwan. The Grudge. The Grudge. Do you mm-hmm. remember The American Grudge? Yes. Sarah Michelle okay. Geller. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that scene in The Grudge where um, where the woman dies in her apartment, mm-hmm. but when when they see him on the elevator and he's on every floor, it's like going up and you keep yep. seeing this kid's face. I was like, what? And then the, the person calls and then like rings the doorbell immediately. And she, he's in, she opens the, the covers and the, the little covers, kids yeah. The, oh, yeah. Like those, I will punch one of the little kids. <laughs> Kid you not. Those types of movies, the psychological yeah. horror. And there's something about Asian horror cinema that they also have two very distinct levels. You have movies that are purely psychological horror like Juan, Ringu, and a bunch of other ones. And then you also have ones like Audition, you know, which are incredibly graphic and bloody horror. But those psychological but horror... But that is only graphic at the very end. True. The whole, but I mean, it's graphic. It, oh, and it builds. Uh, the tension in Audition is is intense. Um, but yeah, so so Ringu slash... I will throw in Juan in there. Just those that style of psychological horror gets me every time. Yeah. So... Uh, Ringu. Another, like a quick one, Event Horizon. Oh, true story. I took Ooh. my friend Trina to see Event Horizon. <laughs> Mm-hmm. To this day, she hates me. To Wait, you took her to, like, to the movies? To the movies, to Event Horizon. I was working you? at the movie theater at the time. Oh, the one downtown? <laughs> yeah, I was working at the Meridian. <laughs> and we got the movie, mm-hmm. and I saw it. And I was like, oh, this is great. And mm-hmm. she, it's weird. She enjoyed horror movies, but then would hate mm-hmm. watching them. Hmm. I mean, we like we saw like Wishmaster. We saw like a bunch oh of like gosh. I know. Right? <laughs> um, she just liked horror, so we saw him. So we went saw very much. She just was, lost horror to points. this day. She's mad. Hmm. She will bring it up like you took him to see Event Horizon. That, like, when he starts speaking Latin with no eyeballs and like, because the thing with Event Horizon, this again, I if you trace back torture porn, mm-hmm. to me, I feel like it started with Hellraiser. When yes. You, when you had such graphic imagery, Pinhead, not only Pin his uh his the little people not, who work for him, uh, not Xenomorph, that was they Alien, were, they um, were like skin people and like yeah, I forget yeah. what they were called, but like those things and the, the stuff you saw in his dimension, mm-hmm. that it was meant to like jar you. Oh yeah, and so Event Horizon, yeah, I watched by myself what? on VHS. That was a terrible idea. There's a scene when so. Basically, this ship goes, this deep space ship is lost. Comes back, I think a decade later. Turns out it has been in hell. Literally in hell. So demons are everywhere. This woman, of course, was like, "Ah, I should go investigate. Right. So now they get a call to go find the ship. And then, uh, what's his name? Sam Sam Neill's character is like, oh, it's the Event Horizon. They're like, oh, I thought the ship was missing. Well, we found it. We need to go board her and see what happened to the crew. Yeah. They find like this really like jumbled up message from the crew mm-hmm. about what happened or didn't happen and then and it's a latin video. yeah and it's like <laughs> he's like well we're going well i won't we won't need eyes his eyes are shut it's yeah bonkers part of the the captain's log kind of thing is this yeah. video of all of them just going 
insane. eating each other and like oh he pulled there, out his intestines yeah there's through that. his stomach through his mouth yeah ah uh, yeah I forgot about that so uh. that movie like and this was I think because again I I like those firsts Texas Chainsaw Massacre was psychologically just terrifying because I was like I've never seen something like this this could happen this is real like these are real people these are not aliens or demons watching Event Horizon being like we should never go into space right. no never like it just space is trying to kill you yeah 100 percent of the time <laughs> every time 100 percent of the time space is trying to kill you yeah so that movie wow um i put seven on my list also. seven another movie that creeped me out psychological reasons yeah because again it was real like to think that somebody could do that is not too crazy another movie that almost made my list was vanilla sky uh what now Tom Cruise. This idea that like he doesn't know if he's alive or if this is this dream simulation he's in. That freaked hmm. me. It freaked me out. Okay. He didn't know. He didn't know. Am I'm I experiencing? Even, I've not thought about that movie. Real forever. life, or am I? It's part of this dream thing that I paid for. I don't know. I don't hmm. know if this life is real. And it's okay. this moment where he felt like he felt that he met the love of his life. This woman who he hooked up with tries mm-hmm. to kill him. Oh wow. She drives uh, that car. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when she had a career? Anyway. She still does. She's still on stuff. She's still getting paid. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that movie freaked me out. Okay. I enjoyed Vanilla Sky, but man, mm-hmm. it really creeped me out. That mask. He's like at the club dance with that mask on, and <laughs> he's got that corrective surgery. Yeah. Yeah. No dice. Uh, Cool. I, I think that about wraps it up. That's it. For this episode, uh, I gave Suburbicon a bad uh, Thor, we both gave a good. Amplify Her, I gave a good. Stranger Things, Tim gave a good. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, with Amplify Her, I want to give, again, a little, little shout out to them because it is an independent feature. Go on their website, see if it is touring near you. Check, is there a trailer for it? Uh, there is a trailer for Check it. Out the I will, trailer. Yeah, I will put a link to that. Also, uh, when you go on their website, I mean, yeah, they have links to the graphic novel. Uh, the soundtrack is not going to be available quite yet uh they're still clearing some legal stuff uh i talked to ian about that on that interview i did with him which is coming out this friday so yeah uh check that out and then we talked about some scary movies scary movies that, yes. that kind of messed with us let us know what movie scared you yes and again if it was one that let us know has a psychological reason why it scared you it could be my little pony i don't care if it scared you it scared you <laughs> Yeah, okay. It, I'm not listen. I'm not going to tell people what should should or should not scare them. Mm-hmm. I know that get some out, people are afraid of heights. True. I know that Get Out. I think is currently on the Rotten Tomatoes number one horror movie. It scared people. Yeah, as well. It, it, it didn't scare me per se, but no. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Annabelle Creation and It this year, those are two horror movies that I was really impressed with. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and then also, speaking of horror, another shout out to some indie stuff that is happening here in Seattle, if yes. you're listening to this. On November 12th is the best of screening of the 48-hour horror film project. What is that exactly? So the 48-hour 48 48-hour 48 horror film project, which is tough to say. 48-hour horror film project. Uh, is a subsidiary of the Seattle 48-hour film project. So I've covered it the past couple years. What Seattle does that is unique is they take that same 48-hour format mm-hmm. where you meet on a Friday and they say, you need to incorporate this character, this prop, and this line of dialogue and make a horror film that is due on Sunday. Mm-hmm. 
What they do with that is totally up with them, up to them. So the actual screenings of the films are going to be on the 30th and 31st. So nobody listening to this will be able to go and see those. But the best of screening will be on Sunday, November 12th. We're at Uptown? Uh, Central Cinema. Actually, oh, Central Cinema. much smaller. Love Central um, Cinema. Central Cinema is great. So huge shout out to them. Uh, I'm going to be involved in that again. Like you I have been. Uh, I cannot say how I'm involved, uh, but I, I'm involved with that. I will be interviewing some people for that as well. Go support the indie filmmakers in your community. The 48-hour the film project is global. The horror film project is local. But, yeah, go support indie filmmakers in your community. It is very, very important that these creators have the ability to make a film and show it to people, especially in 48 hours. Go applaud their work. So, yeah, coming up. So, Sunday, November 12th. Go check that out. Uh, Tim, where can people find you on the interwebs? They can find me uh, at thepeoplescriticblog.com. Mm-hmm. I can find me on Twitter, People's Critic, Snapchat, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be working on being an Instagram model DJ over the next couple of weeks. Fantastic. Come with the playlist. I got to go. start working out more so I can get all oiled up and show up in Ibiza <laughs> and just push the playlist and dance around and yeah. pump my fists. Mm-hmm. So, like I, I appreciate your support. I I am there I'll wear you. my about to review T-shirt while I'm doing it. Do you have to make I'll just cut, like I'll cut the sleeves off. Yeah, I could I could about to review muscle shirt. Muscle tank. Uh, order actually, extra small. You can buy a muscle tank on about to review. There you go. I'll buy them. I'll get a muscle tank and I'll show up and uh, and and show up and DJ these these cool things. I have Damien help me out with some beats in my playlist. <laughs> that's my that's my career path. I'm gonna I quit like my it. job and do that full time. I am here for you. I will support you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, as for this podcast, you can find it on. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at about to review, AboutToReview.com, where you can find full show notes. Support the show by clicking the support tab. Uh, AboutToReview.Threadless.com. Buy some merchandise. YouTube.com slash AboutToReview for the interview segments. Uh, another huge shout-out to Damien for producing the new song. Uh, it will also close out the show. Oh, closing, uh, you got a closing theme song now. Well, I always did. It was the same one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the song is is awesome. So shout out to him. Check his out his, his work out, illmanneredmedia.com. Find him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Damian Randall. So for this episode, I have been joined by Tim. And I am your host, that guy named John. We'll see you next time. This has been an about to review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media.